Hi, and welcome to Quarrel on the Macabre. I'm Katie Adkins. I'm Hunter Moore. And this is our third time trying to record Hunter telling a story, <laughs> and we're a little convinced the government is just trying to shut us down. Very convinced. <laughs> because literally, it's only her part of the story where the file gets corrupt. It's never mine. I don't know. And the story is a very true fact of something bad the government did one time, the American government. I, I, there's just no way a coincidence. There's no way. We got cow outfits on. <laughs> Look, we're not, we're not bad people. We're just, just some cow girls tell, talking about farms. <laughs> we're just some cow girls and we're just trying to tell. It's not even a government conspiracy. It's like a fact. Like you can look it up. You can just Google it. I'm just, I'm just, the worst thing I've done is maybe accidentally plagiarized. But I even tried to cite my sources. It's true. I, I just, there's, there's no way it's not the government. So, uh, this I'm episode convinced. was supposed to be about Freaky Farms. Uh, should we even <laughs> summarize what your story is? Like, do we think the government will shut that down too? No, I'm kidding. Or do you think, like, my computer will be like, nope, gotta shut her up? I don't think we should talk about it while we're recording. Maybe I'll make, we'll make, like, a face, like, a, a Twitter post or something, or I'll make like a little quick little infographic about it that I can post online and we can screenshot it and stuff for proof just in case the government decides to take that down too. We don't spend another another hour trying to record that story for the fourth time. This episode's supposed to be about farms. This is our third time attempting to record this episode. So just know that knowledge. So we can talk about my thing, I guess. Yes. Because mine has, mine takes place in Canada. I know we are joking that the American government is shutting us down, but it is pretty wild how Hunter has told this story multiple times (laughs) and every time only her media file is corrupt (laughs) and not mine. That's super fucking weird. We, we did talk about our own personal experiences on farms, but the summary of that, too, is that we mostly grew up near a city. <laughs> we don't know a lot about farms. We don't know a lot about farms. And uh, <laughs> the closest I got to a farm was uh, on a field trip. We pretended to basically be Amish for a day, and that was not fun. Oh, you know, you know what farming I did? There was... Oh, what was that? What were those kids' games? Um, like jump start. Oh, jump the jump start. Jump start. Yeah, there was a farming jump start game, and I loved it. I was in it. I Hell loved yeah. whatever farming jump start game it was. I was absolutely killing it on this farm. But again, that's a game, not a real farm. So yeah, you're gonna hate this. My favorite jump start game was a math game. It was just math. It was just hours of math, and I thought it was so fun. <laughs> I yeah, I, don't, I, I don't beat like that. that game like five times. It it went through like multiplication and division, and it started doing like long division. Like it like like the harder levels was like the math would get harder and harder. But the story, because there's a plot, was uh, <laughs> you're you're exploring in like South America, going through the rainforest, and all the math like problems things were like uh obstacles you had to get through in the in the forest and you had to save someone who was in a plane crash okay. and like, okay. it was like a whole thing 
That actually does sound kind of cool, though. Okay. It was. I, uh, I'm not a math person, but that sounds pretty fun. I liked it. I think it was a jumpstart game. So farms. Um, I am going to talk about the pig farm killer or the butcher. Robert William Willie Pickton. Uh, yes, spoilers. This is about a murderer. So I have heard that name. I just got a weird like pit in my stomach when I heard that name. I don't think I definitely don't know like details of this story, but that name just like rang a bell and it was not a good bell. Yeah, this guy sucks. So he was born October 24th, 1949, a Scorpio. I've decided whenever I cover true crime people, I'm going to start profiling their astrology signs. Typical. Yeah, yeah. So he's a, so just know this man, this man is an October Scorpio. Do what you will with that information. Um... (laughs) in 1949. He grew up on a pig farm with his family east of Vancouver. This does take place in Canada. He has a sister. She was sent away to live with other relatives because their mother stated that a pig farm is no place for a lady to grow up. Oh my. Um, yeah, this detail's important to me because it tells me that Willie didn't really grow up with like like girls his own age or close in his life, close in age at all besides his mother, who obviously is not close in age. Like he didn't learn to sympathize with women yeah he was he was pretty isolated from the rest of the kids in the area and here's why um he and his brother both struggled to make friends their mother was very very demanding and would prioritize the pigs in the farm over the kids um including including their personal hygiene so they were sent to school smelling like literal pig shit the boys they earned the nickname stinky piggy like, kids would just call them Stinky Piggy. Oh, my God. Um, to add on to the trauma, I guess, Willie had as a kid, uh, one time he bought a baby calf, like a cow, as a pet. And one day he came home and he couldn't find his cow. And the mom was like, oh, go look in the barn. And he goes in the barn and his cow was slaughtered. The mom killed it. We chose the wrong day to wear cow outfits. We wore the wrong day to wear cow outfits. Yeah. That would be so demoralizing. Imagine coming home and your mom Whoa. killed your dog. Like, it's so, the same so, like, thing. You're, so you're getting bullied at school and you're also basically getting bullied at home. Yeah. So, so you're not you're not safe anywhere. Supposedly, he had a close relationship with his mother, but I, I don't know. I feel like it would be like the, those trauma bonds where it's like, yeah. I'm close to you because you're my mom and I desperately want someone to love me and you have to love me, but also you abuse me regularly. Yeah, so. you can have a close relationship with someone and still not have it be a good relationship. Yeah, like their father was physically abusive. So technically, I oh, guess so you that could too. argue okay. that their mom was nicer, but she was the one who was like, had like a whip on them on the farm, basically. So once the parents oh passed away, all three siblings inherited the farm. Linda and David, the other siblings, they didn't want it. They didn't want anything to do with it. David didn't care to continue being a pig farmer. Linda didn't even grow up there. But they yeah, still she had... have no attachment to the place, really. Yeah. Robert, or Willie, he went by Willie, he wanted to keep it and keep running it. So he and David took over the farm, but really Willie took over the farm. David took over the house on the farm to live in, while Willie lived in a trailer on the property. So he lived okay. in a trailer on the property and ran the whole farm while David lived in the house. And I guess just reaped in benefits and like helped out a bit. I don't, I don't fucking know. In 1996, the boys, the brothers, 
Because at this point, the sister is just totally out of the picture. She's just like, bye, later, y'all. I don't want to come back here. They start the Piggy Palace Good Times Society. Um, The what? The Piggy Palace Good Times Society was born in 1996. You know, their their super well-known nonprofit charity that the brothers registered so that they could organize, coordinate, manage, and operate special events, functions, dances, shows, and exhibitions on behalf of service organizations, sports organizations, and other groups on the farm. So this is a good thing? No. I mean, it... What they did was basically due to like zone ordinances in their neighbors and things like that, they made it legal for them to throw raves on the farm using the slaughterhouse as a venue. So they threw raves, big raves, big ass raves. Envision a rave, that's it. That's the one. 1996. I like, I... Yep. I'm... So they had big old (laughs) raves, wild parties, and the attendees were most notably sex workers, but also infamously members of the Hells Angels biker gang would attend as well. So that's the kind of people going to Uh, these events. A real wholesome crowd. Yeah, for their charity, the charity ball, their charity rave. Um, I'm sorry, anything called the Piggy Palace of whatever the is Piggy not Piggy Palace Good Times Society. Is not, not Piggy no. Palace no. Good no. Times. They could they could have left it at the Piggy Palace, but they had to continue. It had to go to Piggy Palace Good Times Society. Unacceptable society. <laughs> I feel like that's how it should be said. These events attracted as many as 1,700 people. What? The farm was huge, and the slaughterhouse was also large. What I don't understand is these boys did not keep up the property, so the place had to have been gross. Disgusting. Gross. That's what I was going to say. Like, if it's it's still also actively being used as a slaughterhouse, like... Yeah, it is. It is still being used as a pig farm. Like, very lazily every once in a while. Like, it's not, like, kept up in, like, a tight ship or anything like that, but... Yeah, there's still pigs on the farm. That's... That's disgusting. I love pigs. I don't even eat pigs. Would I want to go to a pig farm? No, not even a nice one. Not even a clean one. I really wouldn't. And they have 1,700 people. The smell alone. Why would you party there? I really couldn't tell you. Where is this again? Oregon? Vancouver. Was, it's oh. in Canada. It's east It's east Vancouver. Kind of like in the middle of nowhere and there wasn't like yeah. anything else to do sort so of thing. So Vancouver is a very large place and yeah. the east side is known for low income areas. Like east downtown Vancouver has like, it's like downtown Atlanta. It's very high crimes, a lot of like sex work, trafficking, like that, okay. kind, of, that kind of thing. And so yeah. they live on a farm like east of that you just keep going east um so it'd be like living on a farm somewhere south of atlanta okay i gotcha so march of 1997 wendy lynn Eyesetter was lured to the farm by Willie Picton with the promise of sex work and drugs. Uh, she was a sex worker. So Picton had driven to her the farm and they had sex and then he put a handcuff on her left hand and stabbed her in the abdomen where she managed to not only fight him off, 
but she managed to stab him a few times with his own weapon. Yes! So she escaped and made it to the hospital. Yes. Oh my god, yes! Fuck yeah, Wendy Lynn! Wait though, wait though. Wait no! Though. I know, no. I'm so sorry, I hate her. I love Wendy Lynn, no! No, Wendy Lynn's a fighter, we love her. She escaped to the hospital to be treated. Willie went to the same hospital to be treated for his own wounds. She had, at this point, had already like told everyone what was happening, contacted the police was trying to like have this report she's doing all the things she could their rooms though were like in the same hallway like they weren't next to each other they're in the same wing and that alone is like um, are you fucking kidding me? Their rooms are so close to each other that uh, one of the nurses found the key to the handcuff in Willie's pocket and used it to get the handcuff off of Wendy. Shut up. Yeah. What? And they and they moved her or him. So she reported the attack to the police, and he was detained, but was released with a two thousand uh, dollar Canadian dollar bond. Um, and the charge was officially dismissed the following year, January of nineteen ninety eight, because Wendy was a drug addict, and prosecutors believed the direct quote too unstable for her testimony to help secure a conviction. So basically they were like, well, you're a drug addict and a sex worker. No one cares about you, so fuck it. His clothes and rubber boots that he was wearing that day at the hospital were taken in by the police uh, and never tested. Of course they weren't. They held on to it, and that'll be a detail brought up later. It's um, so unexpressibly infuriating how not shocking this is. Continue. Yeah. It's okay, it's okay. Um, but she lives, but she lives. She does live. Okay, I thought you were going to tell me no, she that does not Wendy die. Lynn died. She does and not die. I... She just doesn't right. get, she just gets screwed over. And it's super fucked up what happened to her, like honestly. But she does, she does live. She's, she is okay. So in 98, uh, the Piggy Palace Good Time Society was shut down due to neighbors complaining and um, the fact that they never actually raised money for charity. There was never any proceeds <laughs> from these charitable events. The society only lasted really like two, three years. Um, also, what happened in 1999 uh, was the Canadian police actually received a tip that Willie Picton had a freezer filled with human flesh on his farm. And they did bring him in for an interview who, you know, denied knowing anything at all. Um, and they did actually get consent from him to search the farm. But the police just didn't conduct a search at the time. They decided not to. The interview with him was good enough. He said he didn't do it, so he probably didn't, you know? Even though, literally, two years prior, he was arrested for attempted murder and then released. Or, like, assault. I don't know if it got as full as attempted murder, because I don't know how many times she was stabbed. She might have just been stabbed the one time, and then maybe that just counts as assault, but... Don't like this. So, uh, like we're getting all. on the 2002. A few more years pass by. During the course of 2000, 2001, 2002, there is a man who was hired to help work on the farm. His last name is His... Awful last name. His Cox. His Cox. Like H-I-S-C-O-X. His Cox. But anyways, uh, he noticed that women who visited the farm just eventually went missing and was like, that's weird. Huh. But didn't say anything. And maybe he has his own reasons. Maybe he was involved. Maybe Willie threatened him and yeah. said he'd frame him. Like, or maybe he thought he didn't have enough information and was just like, that's a weird thing. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know why he never came forward, but he didn't come forward. He did later state that he, he noticed this fact. 
So on February 6, 2002, the police were alerted about illegal firearms on the property. And they were like, oh, well, that's a reason to search his property. Not human flesh and missing women. Because by the way, the missing women, there was already a huge British Columbia missing women investigation ongoing at this time from years of reports of missing women in the area. It wasn't a secret. Like, they were aware that a bunch of women were missing. Why is it that it is always guns that are prioritized over human fucking lives? I don't know. Why is that? I don't know. (laughs) So the police were like, oh shit, well he's got illegal firearms. Now we're going to search the property. 2002, they, uh, well... They search the property and they arrest both Willie and his brother David because David was also in possession of firearms. Oh, David was still living there? Oh, yeah. And and so he didn't... Okay. Okay. All right. Yeah, David was still living in the house the whole time. Maybe he knew something. I don't know. Maybe, I he, feel, maybe he was part of it. Maybe he was in on it. I, I don't know. I feel like at minimum, he had to have at least known about it because there's no way you live on a property with someone who gets um, arrested for assault slash attempted murder or whatever it was. And then weird shit keeps happening. And then if you're fine with that, like, something is wrong so they do find the illegal firearms they also found a woman's purse they found like jewelry and they were like well no women live on this property and neither of these men have girlfriends discarded clothing that looked like was trying to be thrown away and they were like well that's weird so they obtained a second warrant uh using that to widen the search as part of the british columbia missing women's investigation that was ongoing at that time they were like oh well maybe those previous tips we fucking received are relevant to this so personal items belonging to missing women were found they were both charged with weapons offenses but both of them were shortly after released but willie specifically was kept under police surveillance i don't know why they greenlit david as being fine but they were Mm -hmm. like this willie guy i don't know about him later that month still february of 2002 robert picton willie picton was arrested and charged with two counts of first degree murder and the deaths of serena abatswe and mona wilson well then on april 2nd three more charges were added for the murders of jacqueline mcdonald diane rock and heather bottomley a few days after that a sixth charge for the murder of andrea josbury followed shortly by a seventh charge by uh, brenda wolf uh, later that year september four more charges were added for the killing of georgina papine Patricia Johnson, Helen Hallmark, and Jennifer Firminger. And then shortly after that, uh, in October, no! four more charges of the murders of Heather Shincock, Stop! Tanya Holyek, Sherry Irving, and Inga Hall. Um, and at this point, we're at 15. I had genuinely lost count. We're at 15 total at this point. The number 15, this is now officially the largest investigation of any serial killer in all of Canadian history. A few years after that, by the time we get to May of 2005, 12 more charges charges were added. 12 more. Kara Ellis, Andrea Borhaven, Deborah Lynn Jones, uh, Marnie Frey, Tiffany Drew, Carrie uh, Kosky, Sarah DeVry, Cynthia Felix, Angela Jardine, Wendy Crawford, Diana Melnick, and a Jane Doe that they never identified, bringing the total number of first-degree murder charges to 27 
total. That's how many remains they found with different DNA. Not bodies, remains. They didn't find full bodies at all. Now that we know he's a murderer, they decided to test the clothing they collected in 1997. Oh, now they do. Seven years later in 2004, after they collected the clothing, they find DNA on his clothing of two active missing women at the time. With the clothes he was wearing as he was attacking Wendy, he had the DNA of two other missing women on him. And those women were like actively missing, like they knew about it at the time. They could have investigated him then and prevented a lot of these murders from happening, but Wendy's a drug addict and a sex worker, so who cares what she has to say? Who cares if she's attacked? All of these women actually, as far as we know, are sex workers because he specifically targeted sex workers. And we know this due to a testimony one of his friends gave. He had friends? He had a friend. Mm. He had multiple friends. Usually the guy who throws raves of 2,000 people tends to form friends. Whether or not they're good friends doesn't matter. So That bothers me so much. So he had a friend uh, named Andrew Bellwood. I did get this specific testimony from the CBC, which is the Canadian Broadcast Corporation. It's like Canadian news, basically. I got a lot of stuff from Canadian news, by the way, just like various news sources in Canada. This is back in 2007, ongoing investigation, ongoing trial. They were still uncovering so much shit. They wanted to have everything possible before taking it to trial. So in 2007, Andrew Bellwood testified he had lived on the Pictons farm for a short period of time in 1999 and he told the court about it was one night March of 1999 Willie Picton suggested to him that they go grab a sex worker Andrew was like no that's weird I'm not doing that together yeah to, like like he, to, he was like let's go get a, a a sex worker together and like have fun with her I guess and Andrew was like no I'm not gonna do that with you no so Picton after Andrew refused he right. said and I quote, do you know what I do with prostitutes? Bellwood said what happened next was like watching a play. He like got up and was like, you know how I tell stories? (laughs) He, He did that. Yes. When I tell stories, I get really animated. I stand up. I act shit out. I'm like all over the fucking place. It's probably yeah. why I have a podcast. He said Picton reached under his mattress and pulled out some handcuffs, a belt, and a wire. He described putting the sex workers on their stomachs on the bed, having sex with them. Then Bellwood said that Picton, who was kneeling, like he act, like he was demonstrating what he did. Like he was physically acting oh it out. Oh my God. He was physically. So he like was kneeling on the bed at the time, gestured as if stroking a woman's head. He told the court that, you know, picked in he would handcuff the women and tell them and this is a quote it was going to be okay that everything was all over now he testified picked and said he would then reach under the mattress and grab a piano wire or a belt and then strangle the women to death bellwood testified picked and said he would take the body to the slaughterhouse bleed them and gut them I don't know if you're familiar with how you bleed and gut a pig, but you have to hang them on a hook in order to bleed them and have the blood drain into a bucket below. Like the old-fashioned way, like a bucket below. There's more technology for it now to make it cleaner, I suppose. But And this is another quote of Bellwood. He commented on how much they bled. He kept telling me, oh, you know how much they bleed. You wouldn't believe how much blood comes out of a person. Bellwood said Picton then told him he would feed the body to the pigs and whatever wasn't eaten, he would place in large barrels destined for a Vancouver rendering plant. And I don't know if you know this, but pigs will eat anything. No. Oh my God. The remains tend to be stuff like, you know, bones and I don't know how well a pig could digest bones, but. Oh my God. 
Oh my God, what? Bellwood at the time, he said that he was out of work. So that's why he was living there. He didn't have a job and he was a crack addict at the time. Like he swears he was sober that night. In addition to this testimony, another witness came forward saying that they once saw a skinned woman hanging from a hook in the slaughterhouse. That they got a glimpse of it. And they and they didn't immediately report it? No. <laughs> Forensic analysis, part of why it took so long, because this isn't one of those John Wayne Gacy situations where you just dig and find a ton of full bodies. There were no full bodies. There was just DNA and like remains found. So forensic analysis was really, really difficult because the bodies had been left to decompose, partially eaten, and that's eaten by both pigs and insects on the farm. And uh, the government, you know, revealed that he ground up human flesh mixed it with pork and might have sold it to the public and fed it to people he knows. So we have like a real life Sweeney Todd situation on our hands. Well, okay, Sweeney Todd's based off of true events too in England. I, mean, I know, but like also <laughs> in Canada. Yeah, because uh, meat pies with human meat in England is not new or unheard of. That, that happened. Uh, but that's a story for another time. We're in late 90s, early 2000s Canada. Yeah, he fed it to the public. So the province health authority issued a warning. But luckily, he wasn't like licensed in selling meat. So it's not like it was getting into stores or anything like that. Like it was just like to people like locally. And then, oh, incredibly and then he up. also, you know, would grind them up and feed them to pigs. Because they, they found all sorts of DNA in them and the, in the equipment on the farm used to process pig meat. There isn't a word. There's, there just there isn't. isn't. There just there fucking isn't. isn't, my guy. There just fucking isn't. Uh, so he was <sighs> put in prison, obviously. And an undercover cop shared the prison cell with him. Picton bragged not only did he murder the 27 women, he actually brags that he murdered 49 women. And he's really annoyed he got caught before he could make it an even 50. Because at the very least, that was all he wanted, you know, was to just even out the number. Allegedly, he killed 49 women. And based off of the evidence of 27 of them being dead, I believe that. I believe he killed 49 women. I, I the, would also believe it. They established the Piggy Palace in 96. By the time 97 rolled around, a woman reported him, and he already had DNA of two other missing women on him. Women had started going missing a lot in the area in the 80s. I think he had been doing this for a very long time. I don't think he started in 96. I think he started yeah. in the 80s. That's my own two cents. That's not proof. There's no proof of that. So don't don't quote me all y'all out there. <laughs> I mean, that does make sense though because, I mean, we know that serial killers don't just jump immediately yeah. into this. It, they escalate. It, sound, it makes more sense to me that when Wendy Lynn got away with it, it was because, or got away from him, it was because he got lazy. Not that it was like his first time doing yeah. it. I think he probably just got like cocky and was messy about it and that's why she was able to escape that's what he says he says the only reason why he got caught is because he got sloppy and he criticizes himself for it there you go 
Abs- yeah, no. That's... But arguably, I think he was he was always kind of sloppy, but nobody cares about missing sex workers. Yeah. He was holding illegal raves with, like, known illegal drug use, sex work, and, like, gangs and stuff going, and everyone knew that, like, women in the area went missing, and no one chose to investigate the area where all the raves are happening that all these people are going to. They just didn't care about these women. In my opinion, the real root of the issue, it's not about whether or not he's sloppy. He's not some fucking mastermind. He's an idiot on a pig farm. His one it's- arguably good skill is probably farming pigs, you know? Yeah, I- it's just the... <laughs> misogyny the police were handed everything they needed to conduct a search like they got clothing with dna on it of missing women they had a testimony of a woman who was literally stabbed by the man and handcuffed they had everything they needed to con to convict this guy before before all of this i think the nurse finding the key to the handcuff on him like if i was a juror like that would that right there like that's it like that he did it like like he stabbed her and then she stabbed him in self-defense there was a lot of items found during this very very long investigation on the property so i mentioned earlier how there was like women's clothing and those items and that's what first conducted the search after the search was over it accumulated to a lot of really fucked up things so they found skulls cut in half i think he like had a little bit of ed Gein situation happening where he was like messing with the bodies i think because they found skulls and they also found skulls cut in half with other limbs like hands and feet like stuffed inside of the skull oh my god um, yeah uh, the remains of one victim was found stuffed in a garbage bag mm-hmm. and they also found that same victim's blood-stained clothing in Picton's trailer. Uh, they found victims' jawbones and teeth right outside the slaughterhouse, just like outside on the ground. This is the spicy item. Um, they found a 22 caliber revolver, but attached at the end of it, having been used, I'm gonna point that out, was a dildo containing both his and a victim's DNA. When I say it's used, what I mean is like a dildo was attached to the end of a revolver and it was very clear the revolver was shot off. Oh my like, god. Like through the dildo. Oh my god. Oh. I don't even need what? to. No, no. Say anything about that. There's a lot of lab tests, obviously. And there's about 80 total unidentified DNA profiles. Mm-hmm. 40 of them were men, 40 of them were women. Like estimated 40, sorry. Like it was like roughly yeah. half male, half female. So they found a lot of DNA involving men too. That's weird. I think there's more people involved in this. I don't think Willie killed all of these people on his own. I think he might have had friends and found other people who also wanted to use, abuse, and maybe murder sex workers on his property. I'm wondering if there was some weird ass business centered this and that's part of why the raves were so popular like I can't like like so much of this is so like creepy and weird and doesn't add up fully that like there there has to be other people involved but somehow it all got like put on the willy well I do think he he did most of it I do think he wanted it he had that narcissism thing where it's like he wanted to brag about it nowhere in these testimonies did people point fingers at David Willie 
didn't also point fingers at David. Like, it seems like David was just, like, off completely clean, like, not involved somehow. And I just don't believe that. Like, you lived there's on this no, farm. You lived on this no farm. fucking way. There is no way. There's just no fucking way. Like, that's just, that's crazy. Mm. To brag to no. your friend about how you kill women and, like, trying to, and before bragging, being like, let's go pick up a woman together. Like, I think what this guy did is make a friend, convince them, let's go get sex workers if the friend said sure. And then I think he would like maybe kill the woman with the friend there and like make him an accomplice and like threaten them or something. I don't know. Or either either the guy, either either the friend he had was into it and went along with it or was right. so horrified he never said anything. It's the only other thing I can think of because I just, I just don't believe this man did all this by himself. Like I recognize Ted Bunny did all of his bullshit by himself, but like Do this is different. This is all in one location. I feel like he could have done it by himself, but I also don't think, he doesn't strike me as someone who would have passed up chances to brag about it. And bring and, like, in other people. To, to, yeah, like, to show people, like, hey, look what I'm doing. Like, also look at the, the power I have. And the police were receiving tips over the years. People called in and were like, hey, this guy has human meat. Hey, blah, blah, blah. Like, they were anonymous tips, but it wasn't like people were completely blind to what was happening on this farm. Oh, my God. What if what if Willie had someone in the police department and that's why they were so, like... That would be a great excuse for the police, but I don't I don't think it's like I think the police just didn't care. From what I've read, and I should have I I wish I had what I read pulled up. My problem is is I read a lot of things. I don't necessarily put it in my summary, but I do remember reading that like it took a lot of public pressure for the police to care about the missing women. A lot of times the missing women would be reported way too late because they're sex workers and don't have contact with their families. It took a long time for someone to notice they were missing or like they didn't have anyone close to them like that kind of thing other other items found at the farm that are pretty sus uh were night vision goggles two pairs of faux fur lined handcuffs a syringe with three millimeters of a blue liquid inside which i believe is windshield washer fluid because another friend scott chubb came forward and said that picton told him a good way to kill a woman who was a heroin addict was giving her a syringe full of windshield washer fluid So he was, like, giving advice, I guess, to other guys about different ways of killing women. And then the last thing they found that was sus was Spanish fly aphrodisiac on the farm. And there are photos online of the slaughterhouse. It's a huge, gross place. It's enormous. Um, There's also photos of, like, uh, and this was just something that was presented to the jury, was, like, there's contents of a garbage can, and in it had some remains of the victim, Mona Wilson. On December 9th, 2007, the jury returned a verdict that Picton is not guilty on six counts of first-degree murder, but is guilty on six counts of second-degree murder. I don't know. Oh! Which he was still given a life sentence with no possibility for parole, but, like, that, that, like... Fuck that! What do you mean no. second-degree murder? Excuse me. Accidentally killed six women on separate occasions? Like, the trial was for the six women, but 27 remains were found, and then 49 were bragged about. Yeah, but even just six. Like, you don't just accidentally kill six women. Yeah. 
I know. You don't accidentally, on separate occasions, you don't just. I don't know I was, Canadian I, I law was, second degree murder, but I don't know what this is. I was is. about to be yeah. like, oh, that poor jury to have to like sit through such a horrific trial. But I, you know what? No. No. So he's still alive and in prison. He is 72 years old. The whole thing am... is wildly upsetting. Like was wildly on a lot of different levels. I am all for someone suffering in jail for the rest of their life when they deserve it. But sometimes that doesn't feel like enough to me. It does, like nothing, nothing will ever be enough to truly feel like justice for even one of those women. Even one of them. Yeah. You did a really good job with that though. Thank you. That was, that was. It was a lot of information. I had to organize it like timeline style because that is definitely not how a lot of these news articles present it. (laughs) I I fully believe that, but stories like that are so important because it's it's how not to be a police officer. It's how not get justice for victims. It's it reminds us that there is always work to be done and there is always truth to be found. And Canadians and, aren't always nice. And it reminds us that Canadians aren't always nice. It sounds like this whole town is just full of awful people, to be Vancouver? entirely honest. <laughs> the whole I town guess, of Vancouver? I guess wherever the east, east of Vancouver, whatever this little area is where all of this is happening, all of these people sound like they need extensive, extensive therapy at minimum medication or is that we talking about the jury right now i don't all of them i don't know everybody everybody involved absolutely everything is bad it's all bad (laughs) whenever we think of prolific serial killers like the first one i feel like a lot of us always jump to is like ted bundy because he killed upwards of 36 plus women Mm -hmm. that's like a similar body count but also that same similar body count to uh, John Wayne Gacy, about 30, 29. I think there was 29 bodies found at his house. Um, but who's to say there were more bodies found in the river that might have been his victims? Because he started, once he ran out of room in his house, he started using the river. And it's, just, it's just stuff like that where it's just sort of like, Jesus Christ, like that is an insane amount of people for no one to like investigate and like look into what makes this particular case sad to me in a very different way than people like Ted Bundy and John Wayne Gacy and insert other prolific serial killer in America here is the fact that this very easily could have been avoided if it weren't for the insane prejudices and misogyny against sex workers and uh women with addictions, people who suffer from addiction in general. like Who aren't what society deems to be Someone worthy of care. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And it's just like, it it makes it that much more sad to me. A lot of serial killers who have targeted sex workers, and I don't necessarily even think it's because they're fetishizing them. I think it's just because it's the easiest way to get a victim in some of them are mine. As well as knowing society doesn't care about them. Like, knowing the police don't care about getting justice for sex workers. Like, you know, when if you're a predator and you're trying to come up with the perfect victim, if you're wanting to do this continuously, you you don't, you know, 
methodically think like well i guess i'll just kill my neighbor's daughter like no you try to find someone you think nobody's gonna look for and someone in a society that people think it's it's also why i believe like a lot of people have targeted you know people in minority groups yeah, no, that's absolutely and, it. And people I, I of mean, color. They've done all the studies now, and we have the forensic psychologists and people who study all of this, and, and we know all of that, but it doesn't make it any easier. I think it is important to keep these stories like in the forefront of people's minds because it there's still so much work to be done. Like, even though it's all like out there for people to know these things, you know, people still have these really deep societal prejudices and but slowly and surely it will get better i'm just sad you can't tell your story without my computer shutting off randomly and deleting the files (laughs) i'm we're gonna put it on the internet i feel like (laughs) it'll be safer there we can screenshot it we we will we'll get it out there we'll get it out there the, the government got us this time, but... I feel like we can summarize it. I think that's okay, unless you're really, like, actually worried about it. Okay, a real quick summary. In the 70s, the U.S. government paid Mexico to spray marijuana and uh, poppy farms with a poison. The Mexican farmers did this. It was supposed to kill the plants. Turns out it didn't necessarily kill the plants. So they sold poisoned drugs in America that probably killed and did, quote, clinical damage to a bunch of people. We don't know how many people because nobody reported it because... It was an illegal act, and the U.S. government clearly stated that they didn't want to take any responsibility or give anyone any help about it. So a bunch of people got poisoned by just smoking a joint or something, and um, and then it got made illegal eventually. But the poisoning of the plant, the poisoning became illegal officially. I think in the nineties. Yes, the nineties. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Just some just some real sketchy sketchy farms. And you can look it up, Freaky Farms. You know I like that alliteration. We, lo- we love a good alliteration. We love a good alliteration. Alliteration. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was what Hunter had a lot of really good in-depth research about that. And I'll um, share some articles on our Twitter and stuff that you guys can... Look up the details for yourself because apparently when I ta- when I tell people about them, the government decides to stick their nose in business where it they don't need to be sticking it. My computer but... decides it doesn't like this information and it's going to delete it, corrupt it, or get rid of it in some way. The information's out there. <laughs> the information's the out truth, there. It's out the there. The truth is out there. It's not I, like I, hidden. It's not, I, it's not <laughs> hidden government secrets. It's just uh, uncommon knowledge. I feel um, so silly saying the truth is out there and like the actually meaning it on a podcast. <laughs> I feel like, you uh, know, like that trope of like the dude's college years was spent on his own little radio show talking about his own government conspiracies where yeah. he just like has yeah. his own little radio station with his own little like boombox and like mic. Like that's what this is, I feel like for us. Yeah. <laughs> this yeah. is our little like college radio station show in like the mid nineties. Yeah. Uh, equivalent. <laughs> where we just talk about stuff and like three people listen to it. <laughs> good well... time. Good time. <laughs> To the three people listening. Hi. Hi. Thank Hi. you for thank you for sticking with us. 
I mean, it's more than three, but you know what I mean. <laughs> in the in the TV show, it was always like three people. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. This yeah. has been Freaky Farms. Um, and uh, go go check out the nineteen seventy five uh government conspiracy of poisoning marijuana and poppy yeah. and heroin. I guess yeah, that's poppy. So check it out. you have to do that that's research tough. on your own because we can only tell that story so many times before we're like just sick of it. So or we can only be put on so many government watch lists. It's true. All right. All right. Well, bye. Keep it creepy. Bye. <laughs>